Welcome to the New Beginning Fellowship Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you are listening to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. We also pray that this message is only supplemental to your spiritual growth instead of being a replacement for daily personal Bible study, the pastor you should be submitted to, or the church God would have you to be an active member of. If you live within driving distance of Brobridge, Louisiana, we hope that you would come to visit us during one of our services on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Service times, ministry information, and giving options are all located on our website at newbeginningfc.com or on our Facebook page at New Beginning Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. of the Lord this morning. If you will, this morning, open your Bible with me. 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. I'm going to read to you this morning from verses 1 to 10. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1 to 10. I want to talk to you this morning about the danger of being wiser than you're living. The danger of being wiser than your living. What is the danger of being wiser than your living? The danger is going to church and reading the Bible and praying and seeking the Lord and knowing more about God and the things of God and having more truth than you're living by. Amen? Because just because you know better know better doesn't mean you're doing better. Amen? Just because you know what's right doesn't mean you're doing. What's right? Just because you know right from wrong doesn't mean you're living according to right and wrong. And this morning I want to talk to you about the danger of that. That you allow things into your life. You know that you should reject. You know that you should turn away. I'm not talking about arguable things that you go, well, is that okay? Is it not okay? Does the Bible say it's a sin or not a sin? Is that just tradition or this or that? Those things can be involved too. But what I'm talking about this morning is plain things that your conscience and the Word of God and the conviction of the Holy Ghost are bearing witness with you that it's not right. And you shouldn't do it. Or you should be doing this. You should be following the Lord in this way and obeying God in this way. And you know better, but don't do better. Come on. Amen. Y'all tired this morning? Knowing better, but not doing better. And then what happens from that? And we have a prime example this morning of somebody who knew better, but wasn't doing better. And what happened to their life? We think that we can play with it. Amen? We think we can go on cute little dates with the devil and still have a relationship with Jesus. That's that's my side friend over there that I just talked to, but I'm being faithful to the Lord. I'm I'm working for the Lord, but I'm playing with the devil. I'm I'm living in the house of God, but I'm shacking up on the weekends with the devil. I think that I can have my foot in the kingdom of God and my foot out in the world and play games with God and everything be all right. That's the danger of being wiser than you're living. 1 Kings chapter 11 verse 1 to verse 10 says now King Solomon loved many foreign women. When it says foreign women, the problem is not that they were another ethnicity or another nationality. The problem was that everyone worships the God of their culture. Amen? 
And every culture has its own influences morally and spiritually and philosophically. And God warned the people of Israel that all the nations are corrupt. All the nations have forgotten God and rejected God and gone a wrong way. And I've called you as a people to be different and to follow the Lord. And he gave several warnings in his word that if you marry wives from outside of this kingdom and this nationality, they will turn your heart away from the Lord. And so it's not an issue of ethnicity, it's an issue of truth. Amen? It's an issue of truth because we see Rahab, who was a woman from another kingdom, but her heart repented and trusted God and walked with God, and she married one of the generals of the armies of the Lord and became a great, 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 great grandparent to David and a great, 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 great grandparent to Jesus. Amen? And so the problem isn't ethnicity. The problem is faith. Amen? And so it says that Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh. And he says, the Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women. From the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you. For surely, listen, for surely, for surely this morning. Amen? Do you remember what God said? The day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of evil, you will surely die in the voice of the serpent. Will you surely die? Isn't there a gray area? God said it's black and white, but maybe you can get away with it. Maybe it'll be okay. Maybe you'll be the exception. Everyone else that goes this way, the consequences of sin overtakes them. But maybe you'll get away with it. God said, I told you, surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. And Solomon clung to these in love. Verse 3, he had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God as was the heart of David, his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and the Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not wholly follow the Lord, as David, his father, had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrificed to their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after the other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the danger of being wiser than you're living. Can we seek the Lord this morning? Lord Almighty, we ask you that you would come and that you would deal with our hearts. Lord, our hearts that are so tempted to go astray 
And Lord, Your Word warns us over and over and over again to keep watch over our heart. Keep watch over our heart. For out of it flow the issues of life. That we're to guard our heart, preserve our heart, preserve its purity. And all of the waves and the tides of the world trying to get in and pollute it and corrupt it and wash out all that God has installed and structured inside of it. And Lord, that we are to keep it and guard it and keep it pure. But Lord, the world is trying to get in. And we ask you for sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. Sensitivity to the Word of God. Sensitivity to our own conscience. That we would recognize when little things are trying to get in. That we would avoid it. And Lord, that we would keep our hearts pure. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen. I say to you this morning that that Solomon was a very wise man. Amen. Can I tell you, wisdom is a key to living for the Lord. Amen. Because we need to know what is right from wrong. We need to be able to judge. We need to be able to discern. We need to be able to navigate the moral and ethical issues of life. Should I do this or do that? Should I be honest on my taxes? Should I try to fudge the lines a little bit? Should I play games with numbers? Should I preserve this relationship with my wife? Should I be a little too friendly to that coworker? Should I... Take advantage of little opportunities wherever I can find them, even though that I know in my heart that it's wrong, or is it just a little thing? Solomon had this wisdom. Solomon was a man with divine wisdom. He asked God for wisdom that he might lead God's people in the ways of the Lord, and God gave it to him in great measure. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 11 to 12, God answered Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you, and have not even asked for a long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. I will also give you riches, possessions, and honor, such as none of the kings who had who were before you, and none after you shall have the like. And so God gave this man incredible wisdom. He wrote the most renowned wisdom literature in the history of the world. The book of Proverbs, the Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes. Solomon was not only a man of great wisdom, he had dreams and visions. He prophesied, he wrote songs of worship, he ruled over the kingdom of Israel and expanded its borders further than any king before or after him. And he built a temple For God. Yet for all of his wisdom, gifting, calling, insight, and success, his heart still went astray. Because it is necessary to have wisdom to walk after the Lord, but can I tell you the danger is having the wisdom to know what's right and wrong and doing it anyway, to do the wrong anyway. To give in anyway. To say, I know that down this path is death. And I'm going to go that way anyway. I know that if I sow to the flesh, I'll reap from the flesh corruption. I'm going to sow to it anyway. I know that this will destroy my soul. 
but I'll do it anyway. I know that the pleasure of this thing will leave so fast and the hooks will get in deep and it'll be more pain to get the hook out than the pleasure that put it in, but I'm going to do it anyway. This is the danger of wisdom that we don't live by. He had greater wisdom than he was living by. It was Solomon who said things like in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, don't be persuaded. Can you listen to those words? He's writing to his son. He's writing a book of literature and he's addressing it to his son. And he's saying, you're going to be king after me. You're going to have rule after me. And I have been given wisdom from God. And right now, son, Proverbs also says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod shall drive it far from him. And he's saying, son, I'm trying to give you the rod of correction. I've seen all the consequences of sin. And I'm telling you, son, I'm telling Telling you that there will be a day where sinners will entice you. They'll say, come on, I'm walking in this way. I'm living in this way. This way is better. This way is good. Come on, have the fun that we're having. You're, you're being a stick in the mud. You're being boring. You're following your convictions. And there's no joy there. There's no fun there. Come and do what we're doing. Share in our priorities and our goal. And here is the, the benefit of it. Here is the reward of it. Come and do what we're doing because it's a better way. And he says, son, they're trying to entice you because sin loves company. Amen. Misery loves company. And fools don't have the pleasure of their sin long enough to really enjoy it. So they need somebody to help make it a little bit better. Amen? And so I need you to come in and sin with me. I don't want the way that you're living to convict me of the way that I'm behaving. So come on, do it. Do it with me. Let's, let's go together. Let's hold hands and skip through the garden of pleasure and sin and foolishness. And he says, son, they're going to entice you. They're going to draw you. They're going to appeal to you. They're going to persuade you. They're going to grab hold of your ear and tug on it. They're going to grab hold of your lust and your passions and tug on it and say, come on, live like we're living and do what we're doing. And he says, son, when they do that, don't be persuaded. Don't let someone else have sway and control and authority over your heart and make you go in a way that you shouldn't go. You know that it's wrong, but you've let them take the reins of your heart and steer it in a direction that you know you shouldn't go. Don't do it, son. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then over and over and over again in Proverbs, read Proverbs, especially the first 10 chapters, and this is what you'll see. Over and over, Solomon tells his son, he said, I looked and beheld. And he says, example after example after example. He's a man sitting on his throne, and he gets reports about everything that's going on in the city. And he says, I see this person and what they're doing, and I watch them. And I go, man, they're having fun, and they're enjoying things, and things look good. But what happens after the fun? How do things end up for them? What's the end result of that? And he watches and he watches and he says, oh, that's the, that's the consequence of that. They're, they're writing checks that they can't pay off. They're dealing with things that they don't know what's going to come after and it's destroying them, right? So one of the examples that he gives is the adulterous woman. Right? And he says she's loud and boisterous and she puts her makeup on her face and her bright, pretty clothes and she's seductive and she goes out in the street and she says, I'm going to wait for the fool to come. 
this ignorant, naive young man, and he's going to come, and I'm going to say to him, come in with me. Come in with me. I've perfumed my bed with oils and with spices. My husband's gone away. He's taken a large bag of money. Come in and let us take our fill of love. Let us enjoy life. Stolen bread, stolen waters are sweet. It's going to be more fun because it's naughty. Come in and do this. And he goes in and he says, but he doesn't know that it is for his life. Like an ox led to the slaughter, a spear will pierce his liver. In other words, it's going to kill him. It's going to kill him. He says, her steps go down to Sheol. It's going to end in his death, son. Because he says, you can steal. You can steal. And a man won't hate you. You'll just have to pay him back. But if you commit adultery with his wife, it's going to kill you. It's going to cost you your life. He says, son, I've watched all of these people and the decisions that they make and the things that they're doing. And I'm saying, son, don't go there. Don't do what they're doing. Don't go their way. Don't let people have control over you and talk you into doing things you know that you shouldn't do. He says in Proverbs, another passage in Proverbs, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. If you walk with fools, if you walk with people who are ignorant and foolish and doing wrong things, you can't pretend that the bad things that are going to happen to them for their foolishness isn't going to happen to you. How many people are sitting in jail because they let someone talk them into getting into a car and little did they know that they were going to go drinking and driving. And they ended up being an accessory. How many people got in a car and they didn't know they were getting in with stolen money or guns that were illegal? They were getting involved with people with innocent intentions and thought, I know they're doing stupid things and the world might come crashing in on their head, but it won't come crashing in on me. And he says, son, you hang out with people that are going through tearing all the support walls out of a house, it might fall on you, right? Isn't that right, Gabe? Isn't that a good example? Had him come over to my house and help me, and we're knocking out a wall, and we look at it, and we go, that's not a support wall. It'll be okay. We don't need to put any support beams under that. And we just start whacking and whacking, and next thing you know, we take out one, not both of the support beams. We tested it. We weren't that dumb, but a little dumb. And we took out one of the support beams, and we felt the floor shake and the ceiling drop down about a quarter of an inch, and everything moved, and I said, that's it. We're good, right? And there was poor Gabe just sitting there trying to help his pastor out and almost took the roof down on his head, right? A companion of fools, my bro, right? <laughs> A construction fool, right? The ignorant. Should have known better. Almost brought the roof down on his head because he was participating in what I was doing, right? I'm not trying to... Praise God. You can still hang out with your pastor, just not when I'm doing construction, all right? You see me with a hammer or a saw? Just walk away, amen? Pray for me. Solomon knew better. He knew better. He was the one that not only had the wisdom, but also the ability to pass it on to other people. That if you let people who are living wrong into your life, they're going to take you down with them. And he said, you know what? I think that as the man of wisdom, I can marry these foolish women who are living in, a, in idolatry and sin, and I can give my sexuality to them, but I can keep my heart in integrity. 
I can keep my mind in integrity. I can spend time with people I know are not right and still live the way that I ought to live. Because of that, he was wiser than he was living. Concerning sexual temptation, Solomon said in Proverbs 6, 27 to 28, Can a man embrace fire and his clothes not be burned? Can a man walk on burning coals without scorching? His own feet. To put it the way my daddy would tell me when I was little. And I didn't understand what he means. Meant until I had my own son. But he said you don't believe fire burns do you boy. Over and over again. I heard that as much as I heard I love you. Now granted I, I needed that as much as I needed I love you. But he over and over. T- you don't believe fire burns. I can tell you the fire is going to burn. This is fire. It will burn you. Skin soft. Fire hot. Not a good match. And you just have to touch it for yourself and find out, don't you? You're not willing to let someone else's wisdom who's been burned before stop you from doing something foolish. And he's saying, listen, I've seen people over and over and over again play with fire and get burned. And I'm telling you, son... You can't play with fire and think you're not going to get burned. And Solomon goes, but I think that I'm wise enough to play with fire. I think I think I can keep it enough at arm's distance. I think that I can play with it, but keep it over here and it won't get me. And it won't snatch me and it won't take hold of me. I think the thing that I heard my grandmother say as much as anything else concerning the things of the Lord over and over and over again my whole life, was she said, son, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. The little foxes, the little foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. They just, they get in and they nip here and they nip there, but they just do it often enough that they kill that vine to where the sap can't flow from one end to the other and they can kill the whole vine. Little foxes. Solomon tried to follow his lusts into sexual compromise, but stay true to the Lord. And it's not just about what you know, it's about how you're living in light of what you know. Doesn't it imply sort of that his heart began to walk away from the Lord, but there was a time where it wasn't complete? Because backsliding doesn't happen in a day. Amen? It takes a long time to put out the light that God puts into your heart. Amen? Doesn't it say... In this passage, that he says that he did not wholly serve the Lord as David his father. Listen in verse 4. When Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God. The implication being, there was a time where his heart was still towards the Lord. But it was also towards the things of the world. And he got into a game what John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, calls Mr. Facing Both Ways. Right? Mr. Faith, facing Both Ways. I'm going to walk with God. Well, I mean, these things look pretty nice too. I mean, i got to follow my conscience and my conviction. and I see the blessing of the ways of the Lord. I mean, this is not going to kill me, right? I mean, I can do this okay. But God doesn't let you play games. And my heart is divided and I can't have a divided. But I mean, so good. How can I turn away? And he played Mr. Facing Both Ways for long enough and long enough and long enough and long enough to where there was a time his heart was not 
wholly to the Lord, but it was somewhat toward the Lord. And then it seems at the end of his life, he just completely walked away from the Lord. Backsliding doesn't happen in a day. It's an over and over and over and over again thing where you're constantly killing the sensitivity of your heart. Amen? Don't we want to be like David? Keith Green used to say, Lord, I want a heart that's soft like baby skin. I don't want a rough, hard, calloused heart. I want rough hands, right? Train my hands for war. Man's hands. But I want a tender heart. I want a soft heart that feels every little pinch, every little conviction, every cut of conviction of the Holy Ghost. Solomon numbed it over and over and over and over again until he couldn't even feel it anymore. Can I tell you, by the wisdom of God, here's the irony, by the wisdom of God and the favor of God, he ruled over a whole kingdom and many other kingdoms submitted to his authority, but he couldn't rule over his own lusts. Can you catch the irony of that? He not only ruled over his own kingdom, And he expanded the borders of the kingdom of Israel further than any king before him or after him. But not only that, he had so much favor with all of the kings that surrounded him. Everybody brought him money and wine and and the, uh, the wheat and gold and silver and animals and all of these acts of tribute that say, we submit to you, we submit to you, you're king, we don't want to fight you, we don't want war with you, you're over us. And so not only was he ruling over his own kingdom, but over many other kingdoms. And he could rule over them with incredible wisdom and precision and calculated judgments that he didn't even have to fight to win. I mean, that's wisdom, right? I forget the name of the general that said, the greatest battle is the one you don't have to fight. Right? Isn't that what China's trying to do with the United States right now? You got bigger military, stronger arms, all of these things. So we're not going to fight you head on. We're going to try and get you with our economy. Right? We're going to try and get you so enslaved us that you can't afford to fight against us. Right? And that's what he did. He said, I'm not going to go fight everybody. I'm going to have such wealth, such military might, such power that nobody wants to fight. Incredible wisdom. And yet he wouldn't rule over his own passions, his own lusts, his own sexual desires. These desires are so overpowering and so powerful. Have you ever noticed the fact that Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, we wrestle in the, the word there in the Greek means face-to-face against powers and principalities. In other words, we wrestle with devils and demons face-to-face. We fight not by the power of flesh and blood, but by the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. We can wrestle with them and overcome, and God has put them under our feet. Wrestle, fight, face-to-face. But that same Paul tells Timothy, flee youthful lusts. Right? The devil bucks up and you go, bro, we're going to have a match today. I'm going to put you down. I'm going to fight. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God by the word of God. I'm going to war against you. He says, you see, you see sexual temptation? You better get down the road, son. Have you ever thought about Joseph? The incredible power of integrity of this man's life that he could face for decades Slavery, 
And not only slavery, but then an accusation of rape and false imprisonment. And he could face that and say, I can maintain my integrity in the face of this awful suffering for decades. But Potiphar's wife tempted him sexually. And he said, I can't be faithful here. I got to run. I got to get out. I got to leave. I cannot face this. I have to leave because it's stupid. Amen? It's stupid. Can I tell you? Sin will make you stupid. Amen? Can we just say that this morning? We're going to make that part of our confession of faith. Amen? All the Trinity, uh, water baptism, inspiration and authority of the Word of God. Sin will make you stupid. Amen? That's going in. All right? Can we say it together? One, two, three. Sin will make you stupid. One more time. Sin will make you stupid. Amen? And he said, I'm not stupid. I am running. I am leaving. I'm not letting that temptation into my heart. Because he said, I don't want it to rule over me. And Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said, I think I got it. I can handle it. I can deal with it. We cannot think that we are so solid in our faith, our integrity, or righteousness, or our experiences with God, that we are immune to the power of sin. I've been leading worship for so long. I've been preaching for so long. I've been serving for so long. I've been to so many Bible studies. I've been teaching the Word of God for so long. I've been I've experienced the presence of the Holy Ghost like you wouldn't believe. I was born in revival. I am revival. Whatever you think you are in Christ, you are not so mature or so experienced or so wise that you don't need to be on guard against sexual temptation against all temptation and letting things into your life that will lead you away from the Lord. Amen? Praise God. Remember it says in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, God said to Cain, sin lies at the door and his desire is to have you. It's just waiting for you to come out. It's just waiting for you to not be on guard. Sin is aching to have you. And it wants you, it wants to consume you. And Cain didn't listen and he killed his brother. We cannot afford to play games with God. And I'm grateful if you come to church. I'm grateful if you go to Bible study and you read your Bible and you pray and you listen to sermons and podcasts and you're expanding your knowledge and you're studying after scholars and you're seeking the Lord to become a wiser, more thoughtful, more conscious, more intelligent person, thinking after the wisdom of God and plumbing the depths of the wisdom of the cross and the grace of God and the goodness of God, knowing it all. But at the end of the day, are you watching over your heart? Are you making wise choices or are you living more foolishly than you're learning? Are you living in less wisdom than you have? Are you wiser than you're living? Notice that it says in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 9 and 10. Can I tell you this morning, God always gives warning and draws us to repent. Amen? God always gives us warnings and draws us to repent. Remember what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, or for, uh, the book of Acts chapter 3, Peter's preaching to the people of Israel about Jesus Christ and said, 
God sent Jesus to bless you in turning away every one of you from your sins. Amen. This is the grace of God towards us. That Jesus has come and said, you will never on your own turn away from sin. But Jesus is coming to bless you to grab your stubborn, hard head, stiff necked self and put some WD-40 on the thing and turn it towards God and away from the things of the world. Amen. This is what Jesus Christ has come to do. This is the blessing of the Lord. If you think the blessing of the Lord is money and cars and prosperity and a healthy, happy life and everything being good for you, and you leave that out, you have missed everything, and you have a devil's gospel and not a God's gospel. Because it says the gospel is about you and not about God getting glory out of your life. And he says he's come to bless you in turning you away from your sins. Amen. And what does it say that God tried to do with him in 1 Kings 11 verse 9 through 10? It says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, listen, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord commanded. God was after his heart. God showed up to him in visions. He didn't need visions. He had the word of God telling him not to do this. He had the wisdom of God knowing not to do this. And God was so kind saying you not only have the word. You not only have the revelation and the wisdom. You not only have the conviction of God in your heart, I'm going to give you dreams and visions to go after your heart and wrestle with you and say, come on, son, don't go that way. You know what's at the end of this road. Turn and do better. But he did not keep what the Lord commanded. He had a hard heart and he didn't obey God. And can I tell you this morning, I'm just going to be honest with you. I got friends that believe this isn't possible. That believe if you're ever truly saved, you'll never turn away from the Lord and you'll be saved forever and that you you cannot walk away from the Lord. And my question is, well, why are there so many people in the Bible that do? And why are there so many scriptures that warn us against it? If there's constant warnings, keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith. And, and people are going, well, you, you will keep the faith and you cannot keep the faith. So you don't need to worry about the warning. Well, then the word of God, let's just cut the thing in pieces. Let's just be done with the thing. And over and over and over again, God warns, don't turn away. Don't lose the faith. Don't turn to sin and reject me. And I tell you this morning, whatever your theology is, if you got a systematic theology, that's good because I hope you're studying the Word of God. But that systematic theology has got to fit under this book and not over this book. And if your systematic theology is held so over this book that you don't allow it to say the things it's trying to say, then you think you're the divine revelator and not the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And if your systematic theology doesn't fit with God's theology, then you've got a bad theology. And God's theology is, I'm warning you that sin will destroy you and take your heart from me. Don't go that way. Amen? And so what are we to do? We are to listen to the voice 
of the grace of God because we can't do it on our own. Amen? We can't do it on our own. I won't do it in my own. But I'm so glad that Jesus hasn't said to the sheep, go out and you stay away from the wolf and always go on the right path. I'm grateful that he's a shepherd that says, if you just listen to my voice, if you'll just let my staff lead you, if you'll just go where I'm telling you to go, I'll protect you, I'll keep you, I'll provide for you, I'll preserve you, but listen to my voice. Listen to what it says, Hebrews 3, Brother Renee, if you would come. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 to 15 says this, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Amen. And he's speaking about that rebellion in the book of Exodus where the people had saw the miracles. They had saw the, the power of God descend on the mountain. They had had the commands of the Lord. They had so many acts of miracles from God to deliver them from Egypt. And yet God called them to himself and they said, no, we'd rather live in sin. We'd rather live in unbelief. We refuse to trust God and obey. We refuse to do what he says. We're going to live the way we want to live. We're going to believe what we want to believe. We're going to do what we want to do. And he says, so their carcasses fell in the wilderness. And God says, don't be like them. Don't harden your heart. Don't go the way that they went. Don't live in their rebellion. Today, God is calling. God is wooing. God is drawing. Jesus is calling and saying, sinner, come home. Child of God, come home. Don't go after the things of the world. Don't love the world more than the things of God. Don't let the voice of the devil persuade you and lie to you and say, will you surely die? Maybe you'll be okay. Maybe there's a gray area where you can both follow your lusts and follow God. Where you can both create idols and follow and worship Jesus too. He says, Listen to that. Listen to the voice that loved you. Listen to the voice that cried on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Listen to the voice that cries to you. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, listen to the voice of the one who promised those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled because he will fill them with that righteousness. This morning, can you stand up with me? And I want to invite you this morning to do business with God. I'm not telling you if you come down here, it means that you're tempted and you're going to walk away from God and you need to come make things right. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've walked away from the Lord. Maybe you've hardened your heart. Maybe you've let the world get in and said it, sin get in and you know that your heart's not right. Or maybe you're the person that you know God and you know His ways and you're walking in wisdom and you love the Lord, but you need God to remind you that, oh, your heart, prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. And you need to say with the psalmist, here's my heart, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Can I tell you this morning, we need to hear the voice of God to keep us and preserve us because we'll go astray without it. Amen? But today... 
if you hear his voice. And so can I ask you this morning, I want to do an altar call. I want to ask you if you'll come and you'll pray. And you can just get in the front and kneel down and seek the Lord. If your knees can't kneel here, then turn around in your chair or sit down in your chair. But whatever you need to do, do business with God and seek the Lord. And just say to him, let me hear your voice today. Let me hear the voice of the Lord that calls me home. Let me hear the voice of the Lord that says, don't go that way and don't live that way. Don't listen to the voice of fools that say, come and participate with us. Come and partake with us. Come and do what we're doing. Don't be a part of the world. Don't give in to sin. Listen to the voice that loves you and calls out for your forgiveness and calls out for your blessing. And I tell you, if you're walked away from the Lord, today's the day to make it right. He says, while it is called today, get your heart right. You know why? Because there is a constant, ever-present voice of God always calling to those who have gone astray to come home. But he says, you're not promised tomorrow. There may be a day for you that is no longer today. It's a day where either your heart is so hard that you can't hear the voice or a day that you're dead and you're gone and the opportunity's passed and there's no more today. There's no more the day of salvation. There's not another chance to get it right. This may be your last chance. You don't know. Can I tell you this morning? I'm telling you, I got a, a, a witness in my heart by the Holy Ghost. The Word of God says that your heart can be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It says that you can destroy your conscience like a hot iron that's touched tender flesh and scorched it so bad the nerve endings are dead and you can't even feel conviction anymore. And I tell you, you don't know when that is. You don't know when God will turn you over to a reprobate mind that you'll believe a lie instead of the truth. You don't know when the day is that your heart sets out on a new course. And so I say to you, today is the day. Today is the day to make your heart right with God. Today is the day to make sure that you're hearing from the Lord. To make sure that your heart is sensitive. Can I ask you if you would as a body, can you come this morning and seek the face of God? Can you pursue the Lord? Can you ask God to speak to you and make His voice known? And ask God, deal with my heart. Open my heart. Let me hear the voice of the Holy Ghost. Let me know the love of the Lord. Lord, secure my heart. Secure my heart. I don't want to walk away from you. I don't want to go to the things of the world. I need you to preserve me and keep me. Oh, I tell you this morning, you need to seek the Lord. Take advantage of this day. You don't know when you'll have another time. And I tell you, if you'll take a step of faith, God will meet you there. God will speak to you there. Oh, I'll tell you, He's able to keep you. He's able to preserve you. Amen. He's able to preserve you. He's able to keep you. Hallelujah. God is able to preserve your life. Call out to Him. Don't make promises that you'll never walk away because that's not your promise to keep. Ask Him, God, give me the grace to follow you. Give me the grace to hear your voice. Give me the grace to have a tender heart. Let me walk after you and know you. And this morning, just confess to Him that you need Him. And that you've tasted of the Lord. And you don't ever want to go back. And you want to keep walking with Jesus. Come on this morning. Sing to the Lord. Let the Lord deal with your heart this morning. Thank you, Lord God.